morning, I want us to understand the context of Scripture and also the application of Scripture. Every time you open your Bible, you can usually take that verse in three different ways. It's the historical application. Here in Genesis chapter number 3, we find the origin, if you will, or the beginning of the fall of mankind. It's not a pretty picture. It's not a beautiful picture. It's a moment where man was put into a perfect situation. That they, were, they, they didn't know sin. They weren't in sin, yet they were beguiled and led to sin and made the decision to choose something over God. And you can summarize almost any sin in that way that it is simply choosing something or someone or some place over God. You have the historical application. You have the doctrinal application. Meaning that man then falls into sin and by this all men are now born into sin. God lays out the punishment here at the end of this chapter for all mankind because of that sin. But I'm glad the story doesn't stop there. He died for our sin. Amen. But in the Old Testament, oftentimes we go back and we lose sight of the practical application for us personally. And so I would like to look at this text and help the guys out in the box. They give me a hard time for never having good titles, but I'd like to preach and you can run, but you cannot hide. The Bible says in Genesis chapter number three, verse one, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said to the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And look at this. Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God. I think we should hide ourselves from sin. I don't think we should find ourselves in this world putting ourselves in positions where we're surrounded by sin and everything around us. You should not leave church today and go sit down in the middle of a bar. You shouldn't put yourself in that position. You, you shouldn't put your family in and gather the family in the living room and cut on a television and watch some movie that is filled with filth. You shouldn't find yourself in that position. But you can rest assured and know that when you are hiding yourself from the presence of God, you've done something wrong. Oftentimes you find that the people, we attend church and we come together and we're there and all of a sudden someone's just hard to find. Rarely are they running from the church, they're running from the presence of God. And they've made a decision, they've found themselves in a position they probably shouldn't have been in. And, and oftentimes we want to hide and we want, we want to try to fix our own sin. Look, they, they sewed aprons together. They said, tell you what, we've sinned, we need to snag some leaves and put them together. This is going to fix it. They didn't fix anything. 
And we sin, we try to hide from God, we try to fix it ourselves, and look where they tried to hide, amongst the trees of the garden. If we go back just a couple chapters, who made the trees? Isn't it kind of crazy? We're going to hide from God and his creation. We're going to hide from God where he put us. We're going to hide from God knowing that he is everywhere and we can never get away from him. Thank God that we can never get away from him. Verse 9, and the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, where art thou? Now, when God poses a question, it's not because he needs our help to educate him. He needs us to come to a realization and admit something. When you came to God and got saved and admitted you were a sinner, he was not shocked. In fact, he commended his love towards you and that while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. But confession must be made with the mouth. The answer must be given from the heart. You must come to a personal realization of the state that you're in. And he says, where art thou? He needs him to understand, do you realize how you've even gotten here? Verse 10, and he said, I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid. Oh, what a shame it is that we find ourselves in a position that we hear God speak, we read the Bible, we hear someone preach, and we get afraid of what God would say. Because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, the woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, the serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. Now, it was a good thing they ended up in the end admitting what they had done to God, admitting the sin that they had made. They said, I did eat. I did what God told me not to do. Hey, lack of obedience is what gets us into sin. And I find here to begin the text a, a fall into sin, a fall into running and hiding from God that I see today just as clearly as we find right here in the beginning of our time in the fall of man. And every separation from God begins simply with rejection of God's word. Every single time someone falls away from God and runs away from God, it's because they know what the Bible says and they have refused what the Bible says. Their life walks contrary to what God has said for them to do. And oftentimes it begins in several different ways. Look in verse number one. The serpent says this, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden." Now, we know that's not true. There was one tree. He said, you can eat of every tree, but there's one you cannot do. And people often begin by revising the word, changing the word, trying to make the word fit them rather than changing to make them fit the word. The Bible was not given to us for us to twist it and fit our life. The Bible was given to us to direct our lives that we may fit it. And he wants to change it, and he wants to revive And in fact, oftentimes when someone does this, they want to try to discredit the entirety of the Bible and say, didn't he say you, you can't eat of any of the trees? Not a one. That's not what God said. I've heard people make comments to me about the reason I'm not a Christian, the reason I can't go to church, the reason I don't believe the Bible is because you can't have fun. You can't live life. I've had people tell me, I don't want to get saved right now. I want to wait a little bit longer so I can live life 
Well, Jesus Christ said, I didn't come that I might take life, but that I can give life and I can give it more abundantly. The more abundant life with God is a, is a life followed by the Word of God and living with the Word of God and living with God. You don't find yourselves in, in the state that sin can lead you in when you're following what God told you to do. Now, he gives us a picture here in this text. And I want to put us kind of in our place, if you will. You find Adam and Eve. Eve was married to the smartest, best-looking man on the planet. And Adam was married to the best-looking, most attractive, just wonderful, smartest lady on the planet. Sure were. They were in a place of perfection. There was no need for rain. The dew just come up and there was no need to go work and make your own food. You weren't having to till the ground. They wasn't having to swing by angles and grab some groceries. Everything was taken care of. It was perfect. And, and, and they were naked and didn't even notice it. They were innocent. And in this moment, even in perfection, sin took over. Even in a perfect situation with perfect people and a perfect God, they found themselves in a place where they rejected, they revised the word of God. And the fall begins. They revised it and look again, verse 2, And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden. God has said, Ye shall not eat it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. Revise it, reject it, but look what he says in verse 5. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Oh yeah, we're going to replace the word of God now. I've got something better to offer you than the instructions that God gave you. Is that not the world we're living in today? And the reality is we can sit here, and we can look at other people, and we can be frustrated with other people, but you know who your greatest enemy is? It's you. All the times I found myself and have to wonder, how did I even get in this position? In our nature, we want to do like they do in just a few verses and say, oh, well, hey, the woman that you gave me, that's why I did this. And he said, oh, well, the serpent that you made, he beguiled me, and that's why I did this. But at the end of it, what they have to say? I did eat. And if you find yourself falling into sin, you find yourself falling away from God, you find yourself in a position where you're choosing to replace the Word of God and live life the way you feel you should live it, you are the one who put you in that position. And they started to separate from the Word of God and reject the Word of God. But go to 1 John chapter number 2. Hold your place here in Genesis chapter 3. We'll go to 1 John chapter number 2. I want to kind of give a parallel scripture of what happens next. We find they've tried to revise the word of God. They rejected the word of God. They've tried to replace the word of God. They're separating themselves from the instructions that God has given. And where they're going to find themselves falling, in verse number 6, into sin. In 1 John chapter number 2, in verse 15, says this. Love not the world. Is that what Joe says? 
Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Oh, I love God. I just live how I want to live God, how I want to live. I'm a Christian. I just do it my way. I, I, I do what I want to do. I love God. I just don't live by the Bible. But the Bible was written by men. It's antiquated. It doesn't work anymore. Listen, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. I'm holding it right here in my hands. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Right here, I have the literal instructions that God has given us how to live life. I believe that. I believe the Bible tells us we have a more sure word of prophecy right here in our hands than as if God was to speak to us audibly out of the sky. That's what this Bible says, and I believe it. I believe it's inspired. I believe it's preserved. I believe that it's pure, and I believe that it's perfect. And when we start loving the things of the world and saying all these things off the wall, this Bible says the love of the Father is not in him. Now, verse 16, he gives instructions where the sin would come from. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Hey, church, how can we know what the will of God is? The Word of God. And all these other things from this, this life, all these other things from the world that would come up before you, that would separate you from God and rejecting his word and going towards the world, there's an end to that. But I'm glad I'm standing here this morning knowing right now that what, what, what we can do for him, what we can do with him, the life we can live born again, it's forever. Eternal life. Now we find that, the, the remember, verse 16 the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Now look at verse number 6 in Genesis chapter number 3. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, the lust of the flesh, it made her flesh feel real good. You know, that thing looks good. It's probably going to taste good. Look what it says next. And it was pleasant to the eye. The lust of the eyes, man, that thing's going to make me feel good. It's going to make me as a god. It, it's going, it looks, it's a pleasant looking fruit. Have y'all seen some of these fruits that just look ugly? Like you bust them bad boys open, it's like, I am not eating that. There was one, what was it, Don, what did you have at your house the other day? Like two months ago we was eating, what was that? Dragon fruit, good night. You look at one of them like, I'm not so sure if that's edible or not. She looked at this fruit and she said, this thing looks good to me. And I want to be, I want to be fair and I want to be real this morning. There's often times in our life that we would separate ourselves from the word of God and we would move towards something in this world because honestly, at face value, it does look good. But if it's contrary to the word of God, it is not good. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. But look at this. And a tree to be desired to make one wise. Look how smart I am. The pride of life. Man, I, I know what I'm doing. It's going to make me like a god. I'm going to know everything I need to know. The problem was is that the, the father of lies, the one that the truth is not in him, is the one she's speaking with right now. And the world doesn't even know what the truth is right now, church. 
I'm so tired of hearing about my truth and your truth. Ain't no such thing. It's just the truth. There's all, ki all kinds of new phrases that involve the word confusion and all kinds of new phrases that, that involve people being confused and not sure and trying to figure out and trying to get... I, I'm, I, that's what happens when you give to the devil. You wind up with a lot of confusion. You find yourself in sin. I have a more sure word. It is a true word. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. And the word was God. Jesus Christ said, I am the way and the truth and the life. I have the truth right here. Thy word is truth. And she allowed the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye and the pride of life to lead her to a spot of sin. And everybody in this room has done the exact same thing. We pick up this text and we look at Eve and say, how could you fall for, I mean, you had all these other trees and you just had to pick the one. I sit with Miss Tawny this morning. We was working through some, answering some questions in this Bible. You start getting inside this thing, it gets deep real quick, don't it? And you study and you read it and you're like, I read that chapter just a couple months ago and. I didn't see that last time. And it just gets deeper, and then you go through life, and, and, and you graduate high school, and you read that verse. You're like, okay, this helps me right now. But then, then, then you got a daughter who does graduate high school, and you read that verse. You're like, you know what? This kind of helps me in a different way right now. It's a living word. And we can look at this thing, and, and it's easy to get, get welled up in pride and, and to take a look at Eve and say, she had all these options, and she had to do the one thing. We have all these instructions, and we got to fall over here and do the one thing. We're in the same shoes. We're in sin. In fact, because of this decision, we're still being born in sin. And we reject the word of God, we turn to sin, we find ourselves in that sin, and then whenever we realize that we're in sin, for some reason our next step often is to try to fix the sin ourselves. Verse 6, and she did eat and gave it also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Verse 7, and the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. If we take a look at this, let's just be honest again. Do we see how dumb this is? Let me explain. The Bible lets us know for the wages of sin is death, right? So how is, is sewed together fig leaf aprons going to save me? Tell you what, we're drafting you to the army and we're sending you out and we're going to strip you down and we got some fig leaves sewed together and it's going to protect you. You excited? You must die. You must give your life. So we're going to take leaves and we're going to cover you. Seems kind of dumb, doesn't it? Every single time we try to fix our own sin. Listen to me this morning. If you're trying to fix your own sin, you look the same way. The reality is we cannot pay the debt that is laid before us. If you're five years old, if you're 500 years old, I don't think anyone is in here. Someone looks it. I'm not going to say who it is. I'm kidding. 
you're sitting here this morning, you've been in sin, and you have if you've been born of a woman. Everybody in this room is born in sin. Look at all these little kids right here. These up here singing. One of these days, they're going to be posed with the same issue. They were right here where their eyes were opened, and they realized they were in sin. And every single one of these children one day will be posed with a moment. Their eyes are open, and they realize they are in sin. The next question is, what are you going to do with it? And let me tell you what a lot of people do. They sew some fig leaves together and put on an apron. Tell you what, I'm going to, new me, it's a, it's a new life, new me, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to get in church, and I'm going to go to church, and that'll take care of it. But the problem is, whenever you get here, you figure out everybody else in this room is just really messed up. If you've come to Fellowship Baptist Church because you need a room full of perfect people, try somewhere else. This ain't the place. The pastor's a dirty, rotten sinner. Amen. There is no perfect church. There are no perfect people, but there is a perfect Savior. And what you need is you need to realize that you can try to come to church. You can try to read your Bible. You can take this word right here and read it and memorize it. But if you don't live by it, it means nothing. You're just sewing the apron together. And you're going to fix it. It got deeper. They only do that. Look at verse 8. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Now, there's some holes in this problem. Who made the garden? Who made Adam? Who made Eve? Who made the leaves? And they thought the one thing they made was going to hide them in the midst of everything else he made. Is that not us? I can do it my way. I'm a good person. I, I give. I, I go. I take care of people. I'm fine. I, I was raised in a good family. It's, it's all fine. I'm, I'm good. I'm just living on God's planet, on God's time. And the body he gave me, and the breath he's given me, and I'm going to do it my way and get to a place called heaven that he prepared just for us. It makes no sense. Yet there's a world full of people right now, over and over, trying to do it their way. They have their religion, they, they have their belief, they have their thought, they have their opinion, and and I'm sitting here right now, I don't even want to tell you this story, but I read it in the book and I feel like it would be helpful to us this morning to understand the, the reality of how awful this is. But there's a man that was on a mission trip over in Australia several years ago. And he went into the Aborigines people. And there was a man who was tragically killed back, in the, back with this group of people. This was back before they'd had internet or back before they'd had phones or any connection to the outside world. He went in there with these people and a man died, so the witch doctor said the gods were angry and they needed a pure sacrifice to make them happy with this. So he saw a mom holding a little baby right over there. He took that baby from that mom, held that baby down and filled its mouth up with sand until it died. That apron didn't work. That religion didn't work. 
Don't you think those people need to know that Jesus already paid the debt for everything they could ever think of? Yes, sir. In our life today, we do crazy things, but there are people all over this globe that have these false religions that they think their, apron, their apron's going to get the job done. They can hide amongst the trees. They can get it figured out. They can take care of it. Friend, Jesus Christ said, I am the way. I've already quoted it, the truth and the life. What's the next part? No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And you can run, you can hide, you can sit in your sin, but know this, you can't hide forever. Your sin, no, the Savior, he'll find you where you're at. And they tried to do all these things on their own and, and God called out to them and, and he calls them out right where they are and and. and the reality then comes that how big God is. I know we, we take this text, and I had this morning so far, and I've looked at Adam and Eve and the mistakes that they've made in comparison to the mistakes that we make. But just for a few minutes, let's, let's finish up by taking a look at what God did about it. Verse 8, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Aren't you glad that even when you fall, God's still right there? Can you imagine if God took the approach a lot of us would take, which is, I gave you a perfect garden. I gave you a perfect mate. I put you in a perfect place. I gave you all these trees, and you chose the one thing I'm done with you. I'm out. Over half the marriages don't work no more because of that right there. One, I'm done. This is it. You've made this one. I'm done. That's not what God said. Hey, how many times have you given God a reason to write you off? How many times have you turned around and walked out on him time and time again and over and over and did what he told you not to do and, and over and he forgives you every single time? He comes walking right back in. He has the same voice. It's in the cool of the day. He said, I'm going to come to you in a comfortable spot. I'll come right to you. He didn't say, you guys did the wrong. You have to come to me. He said, I know they've sinned. In fact, when he made them, he knew they were going to sin. The Bible tells me in 1 Peter chapter 1, But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Before God ever made the world, Jesus Christ was always the lamb to be slain for our sins. Isn't that hard to even comprehend? He steps in this relationship. He steps into this mess and says, I'm going to make a bunch of people that are going to reject me, turn away from me. He put us in perfection. And they're going to sin. And you know what? I'm going to give my only begotten son for them. Isn't that hard to even comprehend? And they're over there in sin. They've rejected the word of God. They've fallen into sin, the lust of the life, the, 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 the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. They're over here in sin. They're trying to fix it themselves. In fact, they're even to a spot where they're hiding from God. Are you there? Look what God asking. Verse 9, the Lord God called unto Adam and said to him, Where art thou? I wonder if there's someone here this morning that God's having to go. 
Where are you? Ain't heard from you in a while. Hey, where you at? I ain't seen you in a while. You remember when you used to talk to me every day? Remember whenever you used to listen to what I had to say every day? Remember whenever you was the one wanting to open the doors, not just coming every time they's open? Hey, where are you? If we go over there to Revelation, I know that text is preached where God standeth at the door and knock and any man opens come unto him. We preach that as a salvation message, but that's not the context of that scripture. The context of that scripture is he's standing at the door of the hearts of the church, those who are already saved. He's having to come and say, hey, Zach, if you'd open the door, I'd come back in. Hello? I'm right here. And he steps out. He's walking in the garden. And Can you see these two doofuses in these aprons behind the tree? And God's having to do the, oh, no. You, know, you ever played hide-and-go-seek with a three-year-old? And they're like, they're like hiding over here. And God's having to do the, oh, hey. Hey, Adam, where are you? When I started playing hide-and-go-seek with my boys, they'd, they'd answer and go, I'm not in here. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of funny looking, but the reality is, do you, can you imagine how God feels? Adam, we were just walking here yesterday. Where are you? Is God having to come to you and say, We were just right together. And you went from walking with me to hiding from me? And can you imagine again, if, you, if we slipped our shoes off and stepped into God's in this relationship, which I know is impossible. But if someone did you that way, wouldn't you start thinking, well, did I do something wrong? We know God realizes he did nothing wrong. He's not going through that. But can you imagine the hurt? We have his emotions. We are made in his image. Can you imagine the rejection? He did nothing. God did nothing except for be perfect. And Adam's hiding from him and, and turning from him and rejecting him. And in your life, God's done nothing. Hey, in our life, God has done nothing except for be perfect. He found you in your sin. He saved you from your sin. He brought you into a life of perfection. He's got a place waiting for you in heaven. He says, I'm going to move inside your heart in every step of every day. I'm right there with you. And he's having to go, Taylor. Remember when you was trying to get the bell pepper? Hey, Taylor. I'm right here. Where are you? And we're standing over here in our aprons looking like a bunch of doofuses, three years old, trying to play hide-and-go-seek. God's just, wait, where, where are you? Go to Romans chapter 5, we'll end there. We'll tell you how good our God is. My Bible says if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just. 
to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us, my favorite word in this whole verse, from all unrighteousness. We know they came before God and they still were trying to point fingers at everybody else. And here this morning, no doubt, there's probably somebody God's having to go, Hey, where are you? And in your mind, it's going, well, so-and-so did this, and so-and-so did that, and so-and-so did this. And I'm telling you, it's not going to work this morning, and it won't work when you stand before God one day. It won't be anybody else's fault but yours. Hear what I'm saying? It's yours. And in this text, let's talk about how big and how good our God is. Romans chapter 5, verse number 6, the Bible says, For when we were yet without strength, In due time, Christ died for who? The ungodly. You say, you don't understand, preacher, who I am. I, I just, I can't help it. It's almost like every single day I wake up and the sin is just there. It's almost like when Paul said, I die daily. Every single day it was just right there and I had to go, I don't want this. I want the Savior. I don't want sin, I want the Savior. And hey, when we were without strength, when we were lost in our sin, Christ died for the ungodly, verse 7. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. He said, isn't it crazy? It's a really rare thing that someone would die for a great guy. And it's like a super rare thing. Somebody would die for just a good guy. Verse 8. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Maybe you're the one over here and God's having to go, Hey, Grayson. You remember when you used to read? Hey, remember whenever you used to talk to me about decisions before you made them? I'm right here. I'm going to tell you what helped us this morning is if we'd get our eyes off of sin, get our eyes off the world, and get our eyes on the Savior that said, when you were nothing, I died just for you. But God commendeth his love toward He said, Johnny, I'm going to die for you knowing who you are. Ryan, I'm going to die for you knowing who you are. God was not shocked at what he got when he got you. He knew who you were, yet he loved you anyway. Anybody this morning be honest and say, I'm hiding the trees. Oh, just because you're here this morning don't mean you ain't hiding the trees. They were still in God's garden. They were still in the presence of God trying to get away from it. And you can be sitting on a pew just as backslid as sitting out there. I've seen me do it. This morning as you stand to your feet, I'm done. Would there be somebody that would be honest with God this morning, heads bowed, eyes are closed, and say, I'm over hiding in the trees I need to get back to God. Would you come to an altar this morning? There's some already coming. Be anybody say, I need to find myself an altar. The pianist's coming to play. Are you as close with God right now as you've ever been? Or was there a time when you maybe checked in with him more often? Or 
Was there a time when you maybe spent more time in the Word? Or was there a time when you enjoyed the things of God more than you do today? As the pianist plays, there's some already in the altar. Would you, would you mind the Lord this morning? If He's dealing with your heart, would you just come to Him? Maybe you're here this morning and you have never been saved before. You say, Preacher, you're talking about how God wants to die for my sin. And I just, there's never been a moment that I, I asked God to save me and He did. Listen to me, I don't care if you're five or if you're 100 years old this morning. If you've never been saved, today's the day of salvation. Did anybody say, I've never been saved before, preacher, but I, I, I'd like to know more about that. Would you please pray for me? Would you just slip your hand up real high where I can see your hand so I can pray for you? Anybody in the building say, I've never been saved before, but I sure would like to be. Would you please pray for me? Anybody in the building? God, I pray this morning, would you touch our hearts? Would you convict our hearts? God, would you work in our hearts that we would not find ourselves separated from you? God, I'm so thankful that you saved me knowing who I am. I'm thankful for the people you sit here this morning, God, and you allow us to be in your building, in your house, and meet with you. God, I pray today that everything we do would be to your glory. I pray that everything that was said today was to your glory. And God, I pray that in just a few moments we'll go over there. You bless the food to our bodies and God. We continue to see another family that would bring a baby into this world and raise that child for your glory. God, we need your help. We need your touch. We need your direction. And God, we're thankful you've given it to us through your word. But God, you've also given it to us through discernment. God, will you work through us and in us with the Holy Spirit. God, I pray for all the hearts this morning in the building. God, if there's anyone here who's never been saved before, God, I pray, would you touch their heart? God, would you let them know that there's no better thing they could ever do than get a personal relationship with you? God, we sure do love you and thank you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. All right, on the other side, we have the baby.